We spent two weeks in verses one through four. Like the last several, the last several studies, it's ended up being part one and two. We'll see how we do tonight. We might have another part one and two as we got verse five through 14 through us, uh, in front of us. And uh, that's okay, man. As long as we're in the word and being led by the Lord. And, and it, one thing that's nice about Wednesday night is there's a, there's a lot more flexibility on Sunday morning when you got a couple services I've just found it's imperative to try to just to really stay on track so that, that those services line up and so forth. Because if those get off, boy, things could get, on my end, confusing really quick. So we got more flexibility. So it's been a blessing just kind of going through here and, and you know, it, uh, being led by the Lord. And I do believe he's been really blessing our study. And, and I know there's been things laid on my heart and, and I believe even... Through the course of this, the Lord's given me multiple kind of prophetic words as we've been going through here, things that just, you know, uh, he's, he's showing me even not in my notes and so forth as we're going through. And, you know, we want to be a, a church that from the pulpit, not only is there sound Bible teaching, but there's preaching as well as prophesying. And those things, they're, they're, they're kind of the same, but they're different as well. And so... Uh, you know what, all of those, I believe, should be aspects of, of a pulpit and, and all of it to God's glory, amen, that, that Jesus would be seen and lifted up and the Holy Spirit would be, uh, you know, at work in our lives. And, and again, we judge everything by God's word as well. So last week, uh, in the last few weeks, we crossed that bridge that went from the detailed description of uh, that one world end times religion coming to an end. And just, uh, you know, putting that in the nutshell, we, we were, saw that in the first half of the tribulation, there's a, a gathering together of the religions of the world and they really ride on the beast or they use the beast as a platform to promote themselves. Kind of, you ever see that coexist bumper sticker? That might be the, the theme of, of the first half of the tribulation. Here we all together and we all worship this generic God with a little G. Because uh, if you worship the God with the capital G, the real God, that's via the Lord Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. And so it will be a free for all. And we know that they are going to, uh, you know, these leaders of all these various religions, they are going to, um, you know, ride in on the beast. It's that harlot on the beast for their own self-promotion as again, we are in an age of self-promotion unlike any other time in the history of the world. And it seems that religion is one of the biggest platforms for that. And then we also saw how the beast or the antichrist will use them to help promote himself. But at the midway of the tribulation, when there's a convergence of so many things, uh, so many things that are taking place, we know at that point, the uh, Antichrist is going to declare himself to be God, uh, go into that temple that will be, um, you know, erected there in Jerusalem, and he's going to bring a sacrifice that's abominable to the Jews. And we've been talking a lot about this on Sunday morning. In fact, I would say the last study we did in Romans chapter 11, 1 through 18, probably one of the most important sermons I've ever preached that just talks about. Uh, God not being done with Israel and how anybody can read that chapter and really break it down in detail and think God's done with natural Israel. You, you, you have to be utterly blinded 
as so much of natural Israel is blinded to Christ today. But we know that he's going to go after to destroy natural Israel. God will preserve a third. They'll all come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we know at that time as well that the mark of the beast will be instituted. It's going to be really full on, uh, not occultic in the sense of darkness or signs and symbols, but full on outward worship of the dragon, the beast, and the image of the beast. It will be, the world will be uh, marked by outward worship of Satan. And these people uh, outside of these that come to the Lord in that second half, which there will be a remnant that does, they're really going to believe that Satan is going to overthrow the Lamb of God. And the foolishly don't realize that he's also the Lion of Judah. <laughs> and when he roars, all his enemies, they fall. And so uh, when that happens, the beast is going to trample that harlot. He's going to trample that coexist. And you know what? The last chapter was all about that. And, you know, we looked at uh, a whole span of history, really, from the fall of man to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then last week and the week before, as we moved to Revelation 18, we began to see the fall of this one world economy that we are rapidly headed towards and in many ways already in. And we know that uh, there's going to be a, again, especially in the second half, a full-on one world economy uh, where you have to have that mark of the beast to buy, to sell. And then we read here in Revelation 18 of the downfall of this economy. And tonight we're going to see that it falls in an hour. We're going to see that sadly, uh, it's a false hope. And it's a false hope that so many even have today in money, materialism, materialism, and luxury. And there's such a desire to live for luxury today. And it, it, it's fine to have luxurious things but when you live for that and you fiend for that and you think that's the epitome of life of just you know sensual desires being fulfilled and luxury and entertainments and those senses being stimulated which i think is a mark of so much of our world so much of our nation um you know what those things they can't they can't fulfill the soul and absolutely a life lived for those things a life that makes those things their God versus coming to Christ is going to end the same way as this economic uh, system that's, that's so quickly rising up, this, this worldwide system that, you know, you see all the cogs falling into place. And so tonight we'll go into more detail of her fall, that she's going to fall so quickly in an hour and her merchants are going to stand in the distance and just weep. And they're not going to weep over their sin and seeing the fruit of their sin. Instead, they're going to weep over, you know, at the loss of their, their buyers and their hopes and dreams coming to an end so quickly. Um, we're also going to see if, if we get there a description of some of the things they really buy and they sell. And we'll see that, again, it's just luxurious items of luxury that are talked about here for the most part versus necessities and um, including the bodies and souls of men. And uh, boy, this world right now is marked by that human trafficking and child abuse and even the selling of, you know, what, uh, of, of babies and 
baby body parts and all that. And if we get that tonight, I'm going to read some statistics and so forth and look at some of the statistics I'm going to read. They're, they're, they're not super detailed, but they're, they're semi. And I don't read those. And it's just kind of my heart to read some of those things to, to, for shock value or anything like that, but more for reality of, of what's going on and, and even awareness for prayer as well as for pres- you know, to, to, to persevere and to even look out and protect our children and pray for them. So in all this, we're also going to be reminded, listen, God deserves, deserves the glory for every good gift. Uh, he does bless us with good gifts and even things on this list that they buy and sell in their proper context. And we want to give God glory because they don't give God any of the glory. And that only Jesus Christ satisfies and he always satisfies when our eyes are on him. These things don't. And again, this economy and these things, they can come to an end at any time. But absolutely in Christ Jesus, we will endure forever. And uh, we even have opportunity here to stockpile treasure uh, in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy nor where thief can come in and steal. So let's read verse five down through 14. And we'll get going here. It says, For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. And the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. And the measure that she has glorified herself and lived luxurious, luxuriously, look, luxuriously, luxuriously. There we go. I've had a long day. I started, I got that teeth cleaning today I'm like, oh you know so in the same measure give her torment and sorrow for she says in her heart i sit as a queen and i am no widow and i will not see sorrow therefore her plagues will come in one day death and mourning and famine and she will be utterly burned with fire for strong is the lord god who judges her the kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxurious look oh man Luxurious, luxuriously, man, I'm just saying, <laughs> luxuriously, there we go. <laughs> With her will weep and lament, give you guys a good laugh tonight. Weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of, of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of the most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and synonym, and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep and horses and chariots, and then notice and bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which you are rich, which are rich and splendid have gone from you and you shall find them no more at all. So again, notice here, this is this end time Babylon, this again, one world takeover of religion, the economy, the government coming to an end. It is the wrath of God being completed 
in the time that these angels are pouring out their bowls of wrath that we read about there in chapter 16. And she does fall and she falls down in a day. Her sin, her pride, her rebellion, her idolatry, her immorality has reached heaven. And here's the thing about this. This will be the last time this happens in this dispensation. We know at the end of the millennial reign, there's a similar rebellion, but it's really not the same. But it's not the first time that this has happened. We know, and we've looked at it in detail multiple times in the last few years in Genesis 11. We know after the flood, God had told men to fill the earth and subdue it, wanting them to be dependent upon him. But instead, notice there, Genesis 11, 4, uh, led by Nimrod, a, a, a definitely type of antichrist in the scripture. They gathered together and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city whose tower top is in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. And then notice, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And so they said, let's build a tower to heaven with the mindset we're gonna escape any judgment of God. If he tries to flood the earth again, we're gonna be above it. And it was also with this mindset of we're gonna go up to heaven and to defeat God. And we know that, that they fell hard. We know the Lord came down and he said, they get together and this is what they do. And then the Lord also tacked on, uh, there's nothing they set their minds to that they won't be able to accomplish. And then praise God, we looked at it a while back. Those next words says, but the Lord, but the Lord intervened, but the Lord brought in judgment. And we need to remember that today, especially as we see these little elitists who think they're little mini gods running around with their plans. We're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. Oh, slow down, slow down. You're forgetting but the Lord. Because <laughs> when I read in Daniel, that iron and that clay is not gonna mix. And you think the singularity is gonna go and you're gonna mix man with machine and so forth. And that's the big push. And you know, it's this idea we're gonna evolve and we're gonna direct that and guide it and so forth. I'm gonna stop you right there, but the Lord. Because look at, just like he did the first time on the plain of Shinar, he came down and he scattered them. He confused their language. He brought a judgment on them and it happened like that. It's gonna happen again. And then in Daniel chapter four, we know that Babel was built up once again, Nebuchadnezzar. And again, a while back, we went through the book of Daniel and saw it in detail. And Nebuchadnezzar was warned you know, you're haughty. You think that you built all this. And Daniel said, you need to repent. Even gave him that word from Nebuchadnezzar's dream of this giant tree that, you know, it was above all the earth and everyone was under and so forth. And yet he didn't repent. And a year later or so, there he is in his heart saying, look at everything that I have done as they had grown so strong and wide and broad. And yet the Lord brought that down, brought Nebuchadnezzar down. He humbled his heart. And soon after that, when his grandson Belshazzar was the king, we know in a night they fell to the Medo-Persian empire. I'll tell you, pride always goes before the fall. Proverbs sixteen eighteen, And a haughty spirit before the fall. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And then notice verse 19, because look at, we're just not reading about this to bookmark it, but there's instruction for us in this. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil 
with the, pro- the proud. And this is, a, again, a picture of the world being prideful and worshiping self, false gods, material goods, you know, immorality and so forth, um, engaging in gross debauchery and no glory given to God whatsoever. No thanks given to God whatsoever. And you just see that on the increase so much. And, you know, you think of Romans chapter one, my mind goes back there so often where it talks about the evidences of God all around us. But men, you know, at not acknowledging God, not giving him glory, nor giving him thanks. And I hope that we're a people daily practicing giving thanks to God. And uh, I'll tell you, if you find yourself one that, that struggles with depression, you struggle, you know, with fear, you struggle with, uh, you know, worry and so forth. Maybe you just struggle with bitterness and uh, unforgiveness and those types of things. I'll tell you, one thing that can come, no matter what the root of those things are, one thing that can minister to that and is a medicine that can come in and help you so much is a thankful heart and thanking God every day and beginning to, if you need to, make lists of just writing down things that you're thankful for. And I'll tell you, that list will get so long, you won't even be able to cover it in an hour-long prayer because he has blessed us so much. We're so, short, so short-sighted so often But when you give thanks to God, it just ushers in the spirit of God, the joy of the Lord, and it brings proper perspective to things. You see the goodness of God and you recognize that God doesn't leave nor forsake his people. Now, what's interesting about their sin, again, there's been patterns in history before and look at every culture when it gets full of pride and gets unashamed of its sin and the history of the world, they always fall. So look, at there's warnings that are there. When their sin finally reaches to heaven, think about that. That's a lot of sins, isn't it? And I'll tell you, mankind, we are so blessed. God is so merciful and that heaven is so high up there. And when we read of the word, we read of three heavens. There's the sky, there's the, 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 the firmament up above us, you know, and then there's the throne of God. And I think about in Isaiah, it talks about how his thoughts are so higher than ours and his ways are higher than ours as heaven is above the earth. And so just think how, you know, higher are God's thoughts and his ways than ours are as heaven above the earth. So that's so, so far. I mean, you, can, you can't even compare like how better are my ways and thoughts above an earwig, you know? They're, you know, they're, they're, I'm, you know, I'm so, my ways and thoughts are so much higher than an earwig's God's is so much higher than ours compared to us versus an earwig. Those are pincher bugs in case you don't know. <laughs> and so his heaven's that high and their sin is finally reached to heaven. That's a great picture of God's mercy, is it not? Man, we need to thank God for that, but we also need to remind, to, to be, we need to remind that that heaven can be reached. And it is either going to reach through judgment or Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I was just thinking a lot about this week when someone passes away. They've gotten a lotted number of days and the Lord cares more about their soul than anybody else. And, you know, 
there's a lot that goes on in the inner workings of people and so forth. Outwardly, obviously, from man's viewpoint, there's some people that are greater sinners than others, but sin, sin before the Lord. And, you know, I just, I just think about stuff at times. You have to wonder if, you know, at that point, the Lord just knows they're never gonna call on me. You know, their, their days have come to an end and I just have to believe that if, oh, if they had one more day, they would have come to Christ. You think God who's merciful wouldn't have given them breath for one more day? You know, you have to think that their sin has finally reached heaven. You know, I go, but he was such a good man and he did so many good things. Yeah, and he took the glory for all of it versus giving any glory to God. And the sin of this world is finally going to reach to heaven. And I just look at that and some people will look and go, oh, wow, God's so judgmental. I look at that and I think, man, the Lord is so merciful. And I also just think, man, we, th- this world, praise God, I don't say we because my sin's covered by the shed blood of the lamb. Because if, if you just took my sin and if it wasn't covered and you tacked it on the top, we might be there right now. All of us in this room, you know, maybe it's, it's just the last push. Or, or just think about all the believers in the world. If, if their sin wasn't covered by the shed blood of the lamb, because that's how you, you, you reach heaven through Jesus and you get to enter in. But boy, it's, we got to be close. And we talked a lot about this in our study, how, you know, three, five years ago, you, know, you talk about end times and the coming of the Lord. I've, I've heard this over the last 20, 30 years. How much worse can it get? We're in a different world than we were three or five years ago. We're in a different world than we were two years ago, without a doubt. It was about two years ago and maybe a couple months that this, this COVID thing hit. And it was just like overnight, just it seemed like the whole, the whole world changed. And, you know, it was used as such a platform for really so many sinister things and so many crimes committed against humanity. I mean, just atrocious things, atrocities. And uh, boldly even said, we're gonna use this to, to usher in a new world order. These guys aren't, aren't hiding that. You know, uh, uh, we're, we're gonna change the world through all of this. And so you ask the question today, how much worse can it, can it get? And it'd be easy to go, oh, not much worse, but think about a few, two, three years ago, how much worse can it get? It's, it's gotten a whole lot worse. And then you even then get into the assaults on our children, which I talk so much about because it's just heavy on my heart with this transgender nonsense, just a vile wickedness and evil. The Lord loves those children, but the peddling of that is just pure satanic to the highest degree. And then we see this continual, you know, uh, uh, push for abortion and so sad that even you know you look at the history of that in our country when when Roe versus Way came into a law and by the way just so you know that was pushed by Republicans the 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 Supreme Court was predominantly conservative and they're the ones that signed that in and the governor that signed that in to California was Ronald Reagan so slow your roll when you're like, I'm a Reagan conservative. You want to take all that on? Why don't you just follow Jesus and take things as they come? Um, his wife was also deep into astrology. I don't know the man's heart. I hope he repented of those things and came to Christ. 
But see, we got to deal with facts, and there's a lot of people running the, my hope's in the Republican Party. Dude, you're a fool. It better be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to vote, and we want to be active, and we want to be vocal. But boy, above all that, we want to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you look at this push now, and again, we've talked about it, this push now to, again, because if you give the devil an inch, it's true, he always want to take a mile. If he gets his foot in the door, he wants to come in. And now we're in this place where it's being kicked around. Once the baby's born, we can terminate the baby. And, and abortion up to a year. I, you know, and even by their own logic, when, when does that person, when does the Constitution kick in for that person? You know? It, it, to me, it's conception. Biblically, life begins at Conception. But, but when, when, does that, when does that little little girl, that little woman's rights kick in? Oh, we're going to give it seven days, then rights will kick in. That's vile and wicked and satanic, and yet there's so many people running around promoting it. Even we can't go backward and turn this over. Look at going backward in that is actually moving forward. And then again, the point I was getting to with when that was brought in, even the idea, and, and going on a little of a rant here, the idea behind that was this is the last thing we ever want. And that's where they push this idea. We're not pro-abortion, but we're pro-choice. You know what's the push today? It's not we're pro-choice, we're pro-abortion. That's getting that blatant. And just even, you know what, individuals glorying in that. But I'll tell you, that's a small percentage because over the years, I've counseled so many women scarred by that. And almost to the lady, they just said, that, that's something that just radically devastated my life. And praise God for the healing of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Praise God for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that not only does he restore what the locusts eat, he even leaves a gift behind. And those little lives, you know, God in his goodness forgives, washes, and even you know, as we read the word about the age of accountability and life at conception, those lives are in glory. And how awesome is that? See, I always pointed out in this, God is the giver of life. Satan kills life. And so look at all that to say, how much worse can it get? Well, if we look at the last few years, these things are increasing. Who knows what our world's gonna look like in two or three years down. None of this is said to, to strike fear in our hearts because God saw us, has seen us this far and he'll continue to see us through. We want to abound in faith and, and, and not be intimidated by the wicked one and his fear-mongering. But it can get worse, but you compare where we are now with previous cultures and so forth, th those sins are getting real close to heaven. They're, they're, they're getting up there because... I read about Sodom and Gomorrah and I look around right now and I'm like, I think we got, I think, I think we're ahead of them. I really do. If we're, if we're gonna have like a, a, an evil off, I think, I think we got, I think we can take them. And you look at the days of Noah today and like, you know what, there's a lot of, I, we're right there, you know? <laughs> or they're right there, I should say. Um, and really with this, again, it's, it's stacking, it's the stacking up of sin until it's finally judged. And again, there's so many examples of this in the scripture. Um, 
again, in Sodom's day, in Genesis 19, 13, he says, uh, the angel said, we'll destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Interesting, the word reached in our text here, it means to keep company with or come before continually. And so the cry there, what was going on in Sodom, it was before God continually, the cry against them. And this was probably the cry of those that, that were sinned against by them, as well as just, you know, in the heavenlies of, of even angels crying out to the Lord, as we've seen them through the book of Revelation, where it's just continually before God because the sin is so regular and it's so practiced and it's so normal and they're just not ashamed of it anymore. And just think about some of these sins I just even touched on tonight. And again, sin, sin, all sin needs to be repented of and brought before the Lord and covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But look at less and less, I I watch the news, especially the mainstream, because all they do is peddle this sin. There's other ways of knowing what's going on in the world than sitting in front of uh, uh, Bruce Jenner on Fox News. I mean, come on. Oh, I'm a Fox guy. Bruce Jenner is one of their commentators. Oh, you mean Caitlin? No, I mean Bruce. Again, just luring people in, slowly even moving people that think they're, they're even more of a conservative mindset to conform. That is, that, that is a, 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 an act to try to absolutely influence and change people's views on these things also that news network's owned by disney have you been following them in the news at all so again this is all it's it's so much of it's just the working together and so we know what happened with sodom and you know there's several examples here we we've looked at many of these he talks about the sin of the amorites or the canaanites to abraham they're not yet complete And God gave them 400 years, 450 years to repent, and they didn't. And then judgment came upon them through Israel. Um, There in Deuteronomy 9.4, he talks about that. Um, And then in Daniel 8.23, in reference to Antiochus Epiphanes that we talked about in that time, uh, that kind of quiet time in the scripture before Christ came, uh, a forerunner of the Antichrist. This is a dual prophecy Uh, about the end times it says when their transgressions have reached their fullness a king shall arise having fierce features who understand sinister schemes and that's where you see the antichrist he comes out out of the sea of the nations because the sea of the nations is so rebellious and their sin is so prominent that this is the guy that they want and it's really part of the ushers and the antichrist is just the fallen state of the world because so often in history and nations, a nation's leader reflects the people that they lead. It's not always the case by God's grace. And occasionally you get a humble people and God brings a humble, God-fearing leader. But generally, the leader reflects the people. And, uh, you know, this Antichrist is going to reflect the state of the world. So it's not going to be, oh man, the Antichrist is going to come deceive the world. No, the world's going to get the leader that they want. And again, notice Romans 2, 5, but in accordance with, the, with your hardness and your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath 
and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. And again, the more you push away mercy and God's, God's so merciful right now to this world and that these sins haven't reached heaven yet. But the more you reject his mercy, the more you store up wrath. And when there's a fall, it's a hard fall. So he says, God has remembered her iniquities. And again, some and many often think God won't remember their sin. To remember, though, means to be mindful of for punishment. So many verses on this, Psalm 10, 11. He has said in his heart, talking about the sinner, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. I remember when I was a kid once, we, we were out. And some of you guys know this, some of you don't. My dad was a pastor for about the first 12 years of my life. And it was after church. It was a Sunday night service. And there was, there was probably about 10 people outside and I were talking. And so for some reason, there was an ice chest there. And here I am, the pastor's kid. I'm about five years old. And a car drives, is driving by. I see him coming. I get this idea. I think I'm gonna throw ice at that car. And I picked up a big old ice cube and, and I chucked that thing. And I remember everything went slow motion and it went and it hit the driver's window and just, praise God, the glass didn't break, but it just exploded on that thing. You know, it looked like a, like probably, in my eyes, it looked 10 times worse than it was. And I thought, as soon as I left my hand, in fact, I thought, uh-oh. And that guy, they pulled over and I'm like, oh no, why you can't keep going? And oh, you're a kid and blah, blah, blah. And I could just see my, my dad, the jaw went. And I'm like, oh man, I'm dead. Go up to your room because we live by the church there. And it took him two or three hours to come up to that room. And I kept thinking, he forgot. He forgot. He forgot. He didn't forget. And on my end, actually, the waiting was worse than the black belt that I got when he got up there. Look at all the more God. God is not going to forget. And yet people run around because they, they day in and day out live in rebellion against God. And even so often, and the psalmist and others wrestle with this, why are the wicked prospering? They're even prospering in their sins. So they think God is almost giving an approval of it. Or they think that God's not gonna remember that, but God remembers. Amen. Nothing escapes the Lord. Psalm 98, you have set our iniquities before you. And then notice, this is huge. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance. Church, let's take that to heart. It's easy to move on the outward and even have that appearance of one yielded to God, but God knows those secret sins. And I just encourage you tonight, if there's secret sins that you are struggling with, or even if you're propping them up and making excuses for them, you need to bring those before God. Because the time will come when God will expose our shame and it's far better to have that covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to help you. And the devil's so good oftentimes with secret sins of convincing us that we can never get delivered from them. We can never overcome them. Let me tell you, victory is found in Jesus. Take those secret sins and at least move them into secret struggles. <laughs> and I'd encourage you even find a, brother in the Lord and secretly a sister in the Lord and secretly share with them. You know, when it says confess your sins to one another, that doesn't necessarily mean you got to stand up and give testimony and everyone looking at you, like, you're doing what, you know? <laughs> Bring it before the Lord and let God begin to work and move, but know God is capable and able not only just to help us positionally, but practically. There's victory found in Jesus Christ. 
And I know it because I don't just read about it. I've seen God do it in my life so many times and praise God by his grace, he continues to do so. Again, Jeremiah 23, 24, can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? And so listen, he will remember and he sees unless he forgets. Unless he forgets. Notice Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sin. Praise God. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case. I love this. That you may be acquitted. Isn't that awesome? Are you acquitted tonight in Christ? Positionally right with them. Practically, look at, bring it before the Lord and let God work in your life in your day-to-days and rejoice in the forgiveness of Christ. Isaiah 53 talks about him bearing our transgressions and so forth. And again, Luke 18, we see an account of just those sins being washed and forgiven. Notice verse six of our text. Render up to her just as she has rendered to you and repay her double according to her works and the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. So she rendered, again, this Babylonian system, great wrath on saints in the tribulation, those tribulation saints, on Israel and Israel in that process and Jacob's trouble coming to Christ and then throughout history. And we've detailed this in some of the previous studies that Babylonian religion, the martyr of just millions and millions of believers in Christ. And here's the thing, God runs balanced books. Whatever a man sows, they're gonna reap. Again, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And yet many run around thinking God won't see and they don't think that what they're sowing will come back, but it always, always does. It's a principle that's taught to us even by nature. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You're going to plant corn, you're going to get corn. You're going to sow tares, you're going to get tares. I know probably many of you have gardens at home. You you planted squash, and you're going to get squash, you know, provided the seed's in the right packet, you know, like, I didn't get squash. That's probably an issue at some plant somewhere or whatever. But, you know, there's an encouragement in that as well, a side note, just even in life. I know we have trials and tribulations and so forth, but so often it's true even in life. Look at, you walk in the Spirit, you sow things of the Spirit, you reap things of the Spirit. Look at, you treat people kindly. A lot of times there's kindness that comes back to you. The, judge, the word says that judgment is merciless to those who show no mercy. And that's a real encouragement to you know, want to make your aim to, to walk in the Spirit, not return evil for evil, but then even more so eternally and giving account before God. This is just, just so true. Again, it's not just the sowing of wickedness, you reap wickedness, but in the sowing of good things, there's good things that return. And I think that's a real encouragement for us to, again, want to walk in kindness, especially in such an, a, a, an evil world. And it is in talking about all the things we're talking about to get riled up and frustrated and I'm gonna put that guy in check and whatnot. And sometimes things need to be addressed, but let's do it in a godly way. 
And I'll tell you, I've learned the hard way over the years, and I'm still learning. It's so much better to walk in the Spirit, to not return evil for evil, and to try to address things in the manner the Lord would want us to versus saying, you know what, well, in the name of Jesus, I'm gonna get you. If that don't work, in the name of Steve, here I come. Counterproductive, man. Let's walk really in the name of Jesus and the way he would call us to. Can we say amen to that? He says, pay her back double. You're like, double? Look at it, sin against God. It's sin against his saints. Psalm 16, four. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer nor take up their name on my lips. So again, this is already laid out in God's word. You wanna go after other gods? Then look at your sorrows are gonna be multiplied. You wanna bring sorrows on others? They're gonna be multiplied back. In fact, you read the word retribution was always to be more than what was taken. Sometimes we see that on earth. It's always been the case in eternity if those sins aren't covered by the blood of Jesus. You see this throughout the Levitical law, the laws God gave to Israel. And in part, it was for a deterrence. So beforehand, you would do what God would call you to do, knowing that if I don't, there's gonna be a price to be paid that's far greater than what I'm gonna gain through this sin or this action. Notice Exodus 22, nine. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or for any kind of lost thing, which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whoever the judge judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. Almost steal that neighbor's cow. Yeah, we make some nice steaks out of that. Well, when you go before the judge, you're going to pay your neighbor back two cows. Does that cow look that appealing now? It doesn't, because that's going to cost you two cows down the road. So this is a biblical truth here: how God judges and how God's economy works. See, God's economy is greater than this Babylonian nonsense here. Notice verse seven, in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, got it out there, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow, for she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and I will not see sorrow. So again, she glorified herself Versus giving glory to God. I think this is a picture of most of mankind today. Praise God, there is a remnant that gives glory to God. I want to be found in that remnant. I want, to, I want to be abounding in that remnant. But if we're going to be truthful, there's times when we reflect the world more than what God has called us to. This is a description of even, you know, the, the, the end times church that Jesus addresses there in scripture um you know where she boasts of being rich and so forth and um, having need of of nothing um glorifying itself living luxuriously and who are we who are we to glorify in ourselves look what i've done look what i accomplished look what i have i i think that there's absolutely a, a satisfaction and a joy to be found when we accomplish things I mean, God made us to do stuff, you know, to plant things, to build things, to move things around and whatnot. And I know I find a, a joy oftentimes in those things. Uh, I don't always, though I always should, but, you know, and, and uh, 
I, I've shared a few times we're remodeling our bathroom and it's 95% done. And look, I'll, I'll be truthful. There's been, there's been more than one time, especially in the last week, because we're almost complete. I got, I got the tub in on Saturday. That was just awesome. Where I've gone on there and I just kind of looked around. I'm like, man, this looks really good in here. And just, you know, thank you, Lord. But all those materials, the means, the, the, the knowledge even over the years to learn how to do things. Look at that, the glory to God. But there's also a joy in that. I, I walk around this, this, uh, this, this church property and, you know, I remember when it was just a, a, a building falling apart, nothing around it, just this little building here and just nothing but weeds and trash and stuff falling apart and I just see all the structures that have been built, all the landscape, all the things. And, and it's, it's, there's a joy in that. Amen. And there's, there's a satisfaction in that too because so all, those things haven't just happened. I, I remember years just praying, Lord, help us to pay this thing off. And then I remember that day when it was paid off, just rejoicing to go from a million dollars in debt to having a, you know, at a facility paid off you know, we're three, $4 million, whatever it is now, and assets and so forth. But that shouldn't be something where, we're, oh, look at us, look what we've done. No, to God be the glory, amen. And, and we're, we're privileged to, to be about things and to enjoy those things. And we're not called to be sluggards, you know? We're called to get up and do things. And I think that, there, that it's a joyous thing to, to put your hand to things and think things through and build things and so forth. And, you know, uh, even the last outreach down there in the park, seeing all that come together and, and getting there Sunday morning. I'm like, look, this is awesome. You know, look what we've done here to the glory of God. But this is just boasting itself. Look what we've done. This, this is, we're the ones that did this. No, no, no. John uh, 3.27 says, John answered and said, can a man receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven? James 1.16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. 1 Corinthians 4.7, what makes you different from another and what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And then the Lord says in Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. And you see men here glorifying themselves for all the carved images that they made. And there's going to be a payday in that. There's going to be a day of reckoning in that. Men really exalting themselves as God, glorifying themselves versus stepping back and saying, look what everything God's blessed us with. God gave us these materials and God gave us this ability and God gave us this technology and God gave us this insights and God gave us the strength and the perseverance to build these things and we're building them to the glory of God but instead they're saying, let's make a name for ourselves. Look what we've done here. And again, you look at the world landscape out there, how often is glory given to God? And oftentimes when it is, it's just kind of a passing lip service. Oh, let that not be us. She glorified herself and lived, lived in luxury. This means to be indulged in sensual and excessive ways. They're not spirit-led. 
They don't practice moderation. God gives us good things to enjoy. And let me tell you, even tonight, this setup that's right in here tonight, compared to most of the history of the world, you bring some ancient in here, they're gonna be, dang, this is luxury in here. How's the air so cool in here and so warm out there? I didn't have one person say to me tonight, oh, I wish we were doing church outside tonight. They hear that one time. It's amazing. There's some luxury in here. And again, as I shared before, good gifts are fine, provided we're giving God thanks for it, we're good stewards of it, and we're wanting to honor God with it. He gives us things to enjoy. I think God takes pleasure when we enjoy things, but when we worship those things and we just live for those things and we make those things our God, that is abominable. And I'll tell you, we got a culture that strives just to live for luxury. Let me ask you tonight, are you living for luxury or living for the Lord? Are you living for entertainment? Are you enduring as a good soldier of Christ? Are you delighting in self or dying to self? Is it all feasting and never fasting? Is it debauchery over the Bible? Is it always on the internet and never in the inner court? Is it doing as thy will or doing as he wills? What is it? Again, 2 Timothy 3.1, know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. I am so sick of hearing, you gotta learn to love yourself. You might not like yourself. You might not like everything in your life. You might not like where you're at, but you love yourself. Otherwise, you would have no concern about yourself or you would say, I hate myself. It wouldn't even be be a thought there. Lovers themselves, and again, it's that picture of luxury. I just want to appease, it's like like a beast that just appeases the five senses. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, haters of despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Look at that, that's so much of our world today. A form of godliness denying its power. Description of so much of Christianum. It's easy to fall on these things from such people turn away. And when it's us, let's turn away from that and turn unto Christ. Again, we've been called to come out of this while being in the world. Notice James 5.1, it says, come now you rich, weep and howl. That means to afflict yourself or to deny yourself. God gives us things to enjoy, so much to enjoy. I mean, you look around, just, just we even live in a beautiful place. But we are not called to live for luxury. We're called to live for the Lord. And that means there's a balance between enjoying the things God has given to me and thanking God for that, and then also learning to afflict myself and saying, no, the flesh will not rule me. I don't give in to every whim of my five senses. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. And if you just live for luxury and your five senses being stimulated, that quenches the Holy Spirit of God. I'll tell you, fasting is such a good thing. 
weep and howl. It's a picture of fasting. Say, you know, I'm gonna take a day and I'm not gonna eat today. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give in to every little whim of my body. I'm gonna show the flesh who's in charge. It's not the flesh. It's the spirit of a man being led by the Holy Spirit of God. But our culture just teaches, again, gross indulgence in fleshly pursuits and stimulations. And I'll tell you, the devil has gotten really, really good at keeping people chasing that next little thrill. And, you know, every year there's a new phone. Every year there's, you know, a, a, a new, uh, you know, the, the, the latest movie, the latest thing, you know, it, it's just like, bam, 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 bam. Like he knows he has to work hard to keep people just chasing things. And praise God, I'm not God's counselor, but I've, I've often thought, man, if, if there was something that happened to our, 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 you know, at our grid, and there's talks about enemies having ways of putting down our electrical grid, and if that internet went out, you know, for a year, and all that stuff just went out, and people all of a sudden couldn't get that stimulated, I think there's a lot of people, they would just, I, I, I would pray they would almost, it was like almost like coming out of this fog and just looking around and so forth and realizing you need to grow up for God. And it's one of the thoughts that I have why that won't happen, that, that you know, God can make that happen and but maybe by God's grace. And you're like, how can you say by God's grace? God's concerned with the souls of men, not them having their next, you know what, their, their next biscuit, so to speak, thrown to them, their next treat. But, you know, we talk about the days of Noah. It seems like it was a booming economy when that judgment came. Lot, in his day, it was a booming economy. Because when, when hard times hit and the luxury all of a sudden is stripped from you, and so many people, their luxury is, again, their phone, their, their special drink, their snack, their entertainment. It's like so simple now. That's why these high-ups are saying, you'll own nothing and be happy. And like, how dare you say that? Because they want to bring everyone into the metaverse and you're just sit there having all this stimulation and so forth, and you're not even living practically the life would have for you. And it's just like, we'll just keep them stimulated and we'll stimulate them right into hell. And when that's stripped, I'll tell you, people, grow, people begin to really consider. In, in the history, you know, of Christianum, the things that have oftentimes ushered in revival has been war, it's been depressions, it's been famines. I can't tell you how many people that I've had the privilege to pray to receive Christ either on their deathbed or they, when they were diagnosed, you got stage four cancer. And all of a sudden they realize, oh my goodness, I'm gonna stand before the living God. Or tragedy strikes and they're just, and it's like this, the stimulation, they're like lifted out of it and they can see. Let's be thankful God gives us things to enjoy. This isn't a legalism being preached here. But if we are living for luxury, if that is our God, and it's like, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but it's like Jesus is down here and all this luxury is up here. Repent of that. Look, God hasn't blessed us with things just to, to again, just, just to bathe so deep in it. And this idea, I have all this just, just for my flesh. If you have, we have to go honor God with it and further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is something that's just so, so prevalent. That passage in James, it goes on to say, for your miseries that are, it says, come now you rich, weep and howl 
for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupt and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded. Further corrosion will be a witness against you and you will eat your flesh like fire. Notice you have heaped up treasure in the last days. This coincides with what we're reading about here in Revelation. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the, criers, and, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. And when I read verse four, indeed, the wages of laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back. It, it just, I can't think of, I, I think of that first year uh, of, of uh, the corona where all these small businesses were shut down while these big satanic, you know what, uh, uh, corporations just, just fattened up where they're, 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 oh, well, you were worth 20 billion before, before now you're worth 40 billion. And meanwhile, these people have worked their whole life just to build a business and it's gone. God takes note of that. You think you're gonna roll like that and not be judged by God? And you see these characters running around with no fear of God. Well, look at, we're reading prophecy here tonight. We'll finish on this. In the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and I will see no sorrow. Again, their luxury and their self-glory will equal sorrow. It's Lazarus and the rich man. Jesus talked about him in Luke 16, where this man is poor and impoverished, and, and this rich man feeds the dogs, you know, and the dogs lick the sores and, and, and you see just someone indulging. And it's not to say wealthy people can't know the Lord. Many of them do in the scripture and, and praise God for, you know what, those folks with, when, when they use those things for God's glory. Um, but it's a picture of just someone living in luxury with no mind of God. And then after he's in hell and he says, send Lazarus, who is a believer to warn my brothers and and in the, in the parable or in the account, it says, even if someone raised, was raised from the dead and came, they wouldn't believe. That's pretty heavy because <laughs> one was raised from the dead. And again, she said in her heart, so not out aloud, but in the heart, I sit as a queen, I'm no widow and will see no sorrow. Again, blinded to God's judgment. I think so often, I think, I think our nation falls into this so often. Most of our wars have been fought on foreign soils, especially in modern times, kind of removed from the rest of the world. And you see now just this, such an increase of sin. Look at, I love our nation. Our nation has many foundational things that are wonderful and awesome. And we, by God's grace, still are blessed by many of those things. But this nation is one of the leading nations of wickedness in the world today. It really is. And yet so many people are running around just like, give me my, list, my next entertainment and whatnot, not recognizing. And this idea of everything's gonna be okay. You hear about these wars and rumors of wars. I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. They, they, they look at it like it's Mortal Kombat or something. Like when another one of the video games are playing. Just sitting, you know, in the heart, just saying, we just, we just sit here, we won't be touched. There's, there's judgment, man. <laughs> So let's remember, let's, let's remember that we're called, you know, to come out of this mentality. This mentality we're talking about in this, in this scripture here. Again, 
Revelation 3, 15, he's talking to that Laodicean. We're almost done here. This end times church and these letters, we looked at it way earlier in Revelation. The Lord said, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. Do you not know you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? And what that is, is a picture of the church looking just like the world. We just live for luxury. We just live for entertainment. You know what? I heard a phenomenal interview the other day with George Barnett. It was on our radio station. The guy who does like Christian surveys and such. And boy, it was, it was disheartening uh, how few born-again Christians have a biblical worldview. And he, they've just brought out through, through surveys that most Christians base what's right or wrong on their feelings. Not on God's word. And I'll tell you, feelings are almost always associated with the flesh. And again, this idea of just appeasing the flesh, living for luxury. We have everything we need in ourself. Again, we become wealthy, have need of nothing. And the Lord says, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And he calls them to repent. Repent. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. James 4.10 and then praise God. Look, at there's a remedy for this. He will lift you up. So we'll stop there tonight. That's a good stopping point. Lot of, lot of truths here. And I think this was worthy of taking a little more time in it. So it is a part two next week, the Lord willing. But uh, I think there's some real challenging things here for all of us. But just know the things God calls us to are good things. And in God's ways, look, at they're, they're always better. Uh, before I pray, one last thing, and I forgot to announce this. Someone, and I, I, I didn't hear about this, but someone, uh, this is just a practical thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming these know these folks in the situation. A few, uh, last week, there was a, a, in Santa Margarita, a mobile home caught on fire and some folks lost their home. And so I don't know the detail of the situation, but there's a GoFundMe. I saw that they wanted to raise 5,000 and they're above that right now. But uh, you might know the situation or just even have that on your heart. And there's a copy of that out on the bulletin board. So again, I don't know a lot about it, but uh, it was brought to me out of concern. And so I'm, I'm just trusting that that was vetted and those things will be used, you know, to help these folks. So I forgot to announce that. I want to throw that out there. And uh, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just bless you and praise you tonight, God, and give you glory. And we just thank you that you are so good to us, God. I, I just thank you that, Lord, in you, in you our iniquities are covered. I thank you in you, Lord, that we've been acquitted. I, I just thank you, Lord, that positionally we're right through the shed blood of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would help us practically to abound in you. Let us not be found of people, God, just pursuing the things that the world pursues and living and looking like the world. It's just so empty out there and just chasing the next, you know, stimulus that we're gonna find wherever out there. I, I pray, God, that we would walk in that biblical balance of enjoying things and giving you thanks and praise, but never making them our God. 
Lord, that we wouldn't be owned by those things, but we would be led by the Lord and just seek to give you praise in all things. Lord, freedom and life is found there. Oh, it is, God. Help us to be a people, God, that understand and learn. There, there's, there's definitely a call to humble our hearts, to, to fast, to afflict ourselves at times, not for favor with you, but to have proper order in our life. To even allow us, uh, Lord, to stop and, Lord, have more of an open ear to the leading of your spirit and to the scriptures and so forth, God. Help us to persevere in this day that we're in. Uh, Lord, as we looked at last week, to be in this world, but not of it. To have compassion, Lord. We've talked a lot of, about a lot of issues and things and deceptions and wickedness in the world. And Lord, we don't want to talk about that in a haughty way, but Lord, we know the scripture's addressing these things. And let us remember these folks need Christ. And uh, Lord, I know our prayers are powerful and in, in, in praying blinders off folks and that, that they, could, they could be shook even out of all of these distractions. And Lord, we would hope they could be shook out long enough to call upon Christ as Lord and Savior and to become followers of the Lord. And if that's you tonight, if you don't know him, um, our sin has separated us from God and Jesus Christ is the answer. The Lord absolutely wants to acquit you and cover your sin and take away that condemnation found in us and bring you to life found in Jesus Christ. And the scripture says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Amen. And I hope he's your Lord tonight. And if he's not, the Lord stands ready to wash and forgive you. Thank you for our time here. Bless these folks. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.